Today on the Sunshine Economy, the high and getting higher cost of housing in South Florida, making it unaffordable for many. The local worker is really not even in the game, the real estate game. The fast rising home prices are increasingly pricing people out of the housing market. I need like uh, $1 million or $500,000 to buy a decent house. I'm Tom Hudson. Rents in South Florida also are rising fast. I'm a little nervous uh, looking around where I live because right across from where I am, there's another apartment complex. Rent there is about $1,800 and one-bedroom apartments. I know that the circle is closing in. Today's housing market is next on the Sunshine Economy. Welcome to the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks for listening and supporting public radio. This will probably surprise you. South Florida's housing market was less affordable coming out of the Great Recession than it is now. That does not mean there is not an affordability crisis for home buyers and renters today. There is. However, almost a decade ago, a greater proportion of South Floridians were paying a bigger portion of their incomes on their monthly mortgages and rent than today. This is an important measure of affordability. After the last hot housing market, people were stuck paying for their homes at high prices, even as the value of the homes fell. Unemployment shot up to over 10% and wages were stagnant. Here's a dangerous phrase to use in economics. This time may be different. Incomes are growing now. Unemployment has plummeted from its pandemic-induced surge, and home prices and rents are jumping. Yet, a South Florida home remains unaffordable for many people, people who live in South Florida. People like Dinora Mancito. My name is Dinora Mancito, and I live in Miami Beach. She is a manicurist with two adult sons. After years of renting, she and her husband have been looking for a home to buy. After so many years now, we saved some money, my husband and I, and I was telling my friend how difficult it was to find a good house in a good neighborhood. She and her husband both work. Their combined income is above average, yet their budget to spend on a home is only about two-thirds of the price of a median single-family home in Miami-Dade County. I need like uh, $1 million or $500,000 to buy a decent house. Umberto Gill is not thinking about buying a home. He was one of the thousands who were hurt after the housing bubble burst 15 years ago. My name is Umberto Gill. I am a adjunct professor, and uh, I'm originally from Venezuela, and I live in South Florida. He rents a two-bedroom apartment in West Miami-Dade County where he lives with his son, who just turned 18. I've been living there since 2017. It's a two-bedroom, two-bath apartment. It is comfortable. I mean, we're not big. We just, uh, my son and I, and uh, uh, yeah, we have enough space. The, the rent, yeah, it's 1425 And he says it has not gone up, but he's getting concerned, looking around his neighborhood and seeing what other apartments are asking for monthly rent. I'm a little nervous uh, looking around where I live because right across from where I am, there's another apartment complex. Rent there is about $1,800 and one-bedroom apartments. 
I know that the circle is closing in. Adjunct Professor Umberto Gill and manicurist Dinora Mincito are examples of the affordability challenge of South Florida's housing market today. If there was some debate as to whether we have, we're having a housing crisis before COVID, there's little debate right now that we are really in a, in a very difficult situation with, with really no end in sight coming into the, into the coming year. That's Ned Murray. He's the associate director of FIU's Metropolitan Center. It's a think tank that focuses on the regional economy. One of his specialties is housing. So what does it mean to say there's an affordability crisis for housing? There can be a lot of statistics and formulas and percentages, but Murray has a pretty simple way to think about it. We've gotten away from a term that we used to use a lot, food, clothing, and shelter, the essential needs of a household. While there are still people, especially in South Florida, who are considered food insecure, Murray says of those three basic necessities, it's housing that has fallen short. We've done a pretty good job in this country dealing with feeding the hungry, uh, clothing the tattered poor. But when it comes to housing, um, we haven't really addressed that issue head on, particularly over the last several decades. Well, affordable housing means that you can support your local economy across the economy. That is Ken Johnson, another expert on the regional housing market. I'm the associate dean of our graduate programs in Florida Atlantic University's College of Business. Probably best to identify myself as simply a real estate economist. That's my area of research. He is one of the local professors behind a buy versus rent gauge of the housing market. By the way, that gauge signals it's better to rent than buy in Miami and has been for more than five years. So if housing affordability is the ability of the local economy to support housing for residents, what does that mean for workers? From the service side to to police, firemen, to wherever the higher end jobs are. So they're all within a drivable or walkable or a distance to where doing their job is not interfered with cost of housing and where you'll have to live. And that is tough in South Florida. The median price of a single-family home is now at least half a million dollars. That's up at least 15% from a year ago. It's important to note that this is the median sales price, not the average value of all homes, whether they're for sale or not. The average rent in Miami, over $2,200 a month for a one-bedroom, according to online rental platform Zumper. That's up almost 40% in a year, making Miami home to the fastest-rising rent in the nation. We've forgotten that housing is an essential. That is the number one kitchen table concern each month. This is Ned Murray again with FIU's Metropolitan Center. You first pay the mortgage or the rent and then whatever's left over. It used to be that was that, was that stack of bills, right? In the old days when we talked about kitchen table issues. Right now it's front and center. Uh, now it's just a question of after we pay the mortgage, what do we have left for other necessities like food and clothing and medicine. Every time we near the peak of a a housing cycle, we start to talk about housing affordability. This is Ken Johnson again with Florida Atlantic University. Today, we do have affordability issues, not only from, you know, the cost of ownership, but also rents are going up very, very rapidly. This is just happening because there's a severe shortage in inventory across the the, the whole U.S., uh, and we don't escape that here in South Florida, but we have just too few roofs under which people can either rent or own. Too few roofs for people to rent or own. Basic market economics, supply and demand. 
You are listening to the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Email us. Our address is sunshineeconomy at wlrnnews.org. Sunshineeconomy at wlrnnews.org. Each Monday, we examine stories and hear voices of people shaping South Florida's economy. Still to come on this program, the timing of tackling the home affordability challenge. We try to solve affordability problems at the peak of housing cycles when land prices are tremendously overvalued, and it's difficult to solve. I'm Tom Hudson. We're back on the Sunshine Economy here on WLRN. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to sign up for our podcast by searching Sunshine Economy on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a week. Ken Johnson is worried about the South Florida housing market. He's a real estate economist at Florida Atlantic University in Boca Raton and has made it his career to study the housing market. Worried, but not as much as, say, 15 to 16 years ago. That was the peak of the housing bubble that burst first here in South Florida before shaking the entire national economy and bringing on the Great Recession. While his data indicates homes are overpriced, those prices buyers are paying are not nearly as inflated as they were back then. The average home was selling for more than 80% above its expected pricing value 15 years ago, 16 years ago. Today, it's more like 20, 21%. So I'm worried but not as worried as before. This run-up in home prices and rents is different than two decades ago. Yet one reason for this affordability crisis now may have its origin in the aftermath of the housing crash. There are not as many developers as there were 15 to 16 years ago. After the last housing crash, this wiped out so many of the mom-and-pop builders around the country. We're left mostly today with the national builders. And for many reasons, they can't meet the the local demand or supply. And some of it does fall on on the developers, on the builders, the national builders. Some of it falls on local municipalities and, and county governments where it's such a draconian process to go through and start new homes. And this creates uncertainty. And uncertainty leads many builders to simply not develop because they're not certain if they'll make a profit or not. And and no matter what, developers have to make a profit. But counties have kind of created a lot of this problem for themselves because the process to go through to develop property is uncertain and different from actually sometimes neighboring municipalities. There's plenty of blame to go around, but I do think we don't talk enough about how much the, the county and local city governments are not trying to come up with a, a, a more transparent way to bring property to the market. It's difficult, if not impossible, to pinpoint the genesis or the starting point for the housing challenges that Southeast Florida is experiencing now. Is the supply issue the nucleus or a nucleus of this very combustible market that has been created? The supply, the inventory issue is clearly one of the four driving factors behind where our, what's driving current ownership prices and rental prices. So we have this huge constraint in terms of we're just not building enough property. So that's inventory. Now, some then that helps prices. Oddly enough, a shortage of inventory helps support pricing for there's a coming slowdown. 
if you will, in, in terms of ownership, in terms of price. And what's going to help support that is this shortage. So in some odd way, this shortage of inventory is, is helping to keep prices a little buoy up prices and, and what we're going to see coming soon. But at the same time, it's creating this major affordability issue. You also have interest rates, which was which were thrown on top of all of this very, very shortage in inventory, high, helping create high demand. We have significant population, expected population increases across Florida. South Florida is, 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 is experiencing the same thing. We're coming in at about 12, plus or minus 12% expected growth in population in the next 10 years. And finally, there's how much are we overpriced at this point in time? It could be underpriced, but the nine metro areas that we measure, they're all selling at a premium above where they should be. So you put all of that together and we have this worry not only about an affordability crisis, but a potential housing crash, or how do we build more properties? This will work itself out in time. I just don't think this time around will be as dramatic as the last time around. Now, you'll notice, Tom, that whenever we hit the bottom of a housing cycle, talk of housing affordability all but disappears. Back in 12. In 2012. Yes, really hardly heard a peep about housing affordability. It was everybody should buy, and it was. It was at the bottom of the cycle. Now, back in 06, 07, depending on where you were in the state, we were all at the top of the cycle. And, and rents were up too. And all we talked about so much was, was affordability, affordability. And it was a big problem. So we try to solve affordability problems at the peak of housing cycles when land prices are tremendously overvalued. And it's difficult to solve. From a public policy standpoint, we ought to be talking about a, a housing affordability. We're at the bottom of the cycle. And it's not really on our minds. We're not going to solve the affordability crisis right now. We just can't. The market has a big role and a big say to play how, when, and if affordability is going to be addressed in South Florida for homes. That's absolutely correct. These cycles are natural. There, you, there's a long-term pricing trend in each market. It can be derived or estimated or proxied, and you're going to have prices cycle above that trend, below that trend. And what we want is not these tremendous swings. We would love to to oscillate slightly above and below this. You can't make that mean reverting process disappear, but you want to minimize it. We, we stay away from crashes. We tend to have enough property being developed to catch the incoming population. And this is all in all a, a good thing for any housing market. You have stability in rents and stability in housing prices. Are you making an argument that the South Florida housing market should be more moderate? That does not sound like an adjective that would describe real estate in South Florida. I guess I would say that the South Florida market needs to be less volatile. But that's true for all of the markets in Florida and, and many of the markets around the country where we just have this high volatility. Now for South Florida, again, we're nowhere near as overpriced or as volatile or the potential for a fall that we were 15 years ago. But if we compare that to, to cycles that we witnessed going back, pre-06, 2006, these cycles were nowhere as near as volatile. You didn't have these dramatic swings. So this time around, it's better than last. It's not as bad, I should say, as bad, but it's, it's, it's still dramatic when you compare, if we'll go back into the late 60s and looking at, at housing cycles in South Florida. We're better, but we need to become a lot better at managing these things. 
you've called the Miami Fort Lauderdale housing market the least overvalued housing market in Florida, yet you did describe yourself as worried about it. What are you worried about? I'm I'm worried that we could see housing uh, the the price of housing turn down. Uh, I'm worried that the inventory shortage can continue. Describe the influence, uh, both maybe measurable as well as emotional, that the housing market has on the South Florida economy. <laughs> the emotional part will be harder to to address, but I'll try that one first. <laughs> I will promise you that in the next few years or next few months to a few years, as we see housing prices slow, many will feel as if this is the worst ever, but it's not going to be. This is a tropical, going to be a tropical storm relative to what happened 15 years ago, but it's not going to be a very pleasant thing. So what level was the storm 15 years ago, if we're using our meteorological metaphor here? I'd say a cat five. Speaking with Florida Atlantic University real estate economist Ken Johnson. This is the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. Be sure to listen to the 9 a.m. hour Tuesday through Friday for the BBC News Hour. Still to come, a housing market that's not supported by the local job market. We don't have the mobility, the mobility that's so necessary in a healthy real estate market where people can move from rental to start a home. That's all evaporated. This is the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks for listening and supporting public radio. Steve Busa has been on both sides of the South Florida housing market in the past year. He and his wife were first sellers. I went to refinance the house, and that's kind of what got us even into the market was we realized how much houses went up for. So that kind of got us thinking about, well, you know, if we're going to sell, this might be the time to, you know, capitalize on the market and, and do that. So we, you know, we put it up and it sold extremely fast. Um, I was blown away, way over what we were originally even planning, which was great. Um, and then the th- that's when things kind of started to go a little sideways. Because the Boosas became buyers in that same market. Both Steve and his wife, Alexandra, are optometrists in Broward and Palm Beach counties. When the market got so, so hot, inventory was just coming and going, coming and going. So in the transition from selling the house and moving out, we weren't able to find anything really in the area because we, we were hyper-focused on a certain area. Finding the right thing was tough. Um, we ended up selling and that closed, that deal closed through. So we had the capital, we had the cash to move on anything, but things just weren't really falling into place. So we ended up having to rent and realizing that the rent market went up. So it was just like this perfect storm that was good. And then it kind of became challenging on, on the other end of the spectrum. So finding something was tough. Eventually, they found the home they wanted and got it. At the time they purchased it, it was a rental. The tenants moved out, and the Booses decided to do some renovations. They hoped to move in with their two young children by the summer. It was literally like finding a diamond in the rough is was what it felt like. So um, now we're just like refining that diamond and polishing the diamond. It'll be perfect. <laughs> the housing market is dictated by who's buying, says Ned Murray. He's a housing market expert with FIU's Metropolitan Center. Even when it's a seller's market, like now, with short supply and bidding wars, Murray thinks it's the buyer who shapes affordability. 
He says it's a dynamic that took shape after the short recession at the turn of the century, changing how we thought about the housing market. Housing wasn't even considered a good investment up until about 2000. People would buy and build uh, some equity for, for their college-age kids, they, you know, some equity for retirement. But from an investment standpoint, it really didn't exist for the, that the way we're seeing it over the last 20 years until about 2000 when the tech sector failed. The internet bubble burst and money that had been helping fuel dot-coms turned to real estate. Borrowing rates plunged and money poured into the housing market. And except for a couple of years right before the housing bubble, interest rates have remained historically low, giving buyers access to borrowed money and helping turn the housing market into more than just a place to live, but a place to invest and increasingly divorced from income generated by the local job market. That market has really overruled any form of local demand, particularly in areas, high-priced areas, or areas where there's a lot of interest in housing as an investment, like in Miami or other major cities, where foreign investors, investors from other parts of the country are looking at these locations and seeing them as great places to park your money. It has very little to do with local demand, certainly in terms of workers and and local populations uh, here in South Florida. Compare and contrast that, Ned, with the job market, the underlying ability of a regional economy to generate income to support those mortgage payments or those rent payments. The real estate market in South Florida may attract global buyers, but the job market is certainly more provincial, isn't it? Job market is very provincial. In fact, we essentially have one labor market here in South Florida that extends from Palm Beach down to uh, the Upper Keys. And so we have people going back and forth each day to their jobs uh, and trying to locate um, a housing unit to own or to, to rent uh, in some location that, that's within driving distance. The problem is that the economy, uh, in terms of jobs that, that are local, are, for the most part, in these three big sub- super sectors, which is leisure and hospitality, retail, and education and healthcare. Most of the jobs, most of the occupations within the big three are in lower wage occupations, earning somewhere typically between $14 and $18 an hour. So that's about $33,000 a year before taxes for a full-time job. Even two adults in the same household making that income would still come up well short of being able to afford the median-priced single-family home in South Florida. The local worker is really not even in the game, the real estate game. That's whether you're a renter or, or a homeowner. It's a very unhealthy situation in terms of the economy uh, because in a, in a more healthy uh, housing market, you would have units to rent that would allow you to save some money for home purchase at some point. Or you'd, you'd be able to earn enough to get a starter home. We don't really have starter homes anymore. So what's happened is we don't have the mobility, the mobility that's so necessary in a healthy real estate market where people can move from rental to starter home, mid-level, whatever that may be. That's all evaporated. So essentially, we're, we're dealing with a, a market that, that is really externally driven by, by outside investors, coupled with the fact 
that we have a real shortage, in fact, a finite level of housing, particularly at the rental level, that has even the bedroom distributions that would be needed by a working household with, say, children. So two and three bedroom rentals are non-existent, essentially, in, in South Florida. Very finite amount. And if they are available, you're looking at something north of $3,000 a month. We heard earlier from Ken Johnson at Florida Atlantic University say that it's very hard to address affordability in the housing market at the height of a housing market, like what he describes what we're in now. So why is now the right time to address affordability? Well, well we number one, we know it's only going to get worse. So if you think about it strictly in terms of our taking care of our local population, the residents of Miami-Dade and Broward and Palm Beach and, and the Keys, if we think about it strictly from that standpoint, we, we need to do something because we know they're in distress. If they're paying in excess of 50 cents on every dollar uh, for housing costs, we know they're distressed relative to uh, food costs, med- medical costs, clothing, those types of so we have to do it from that standpoint because it's such an essential need. But it's from a policy standpoint, we need to also address it from the economic standpoint. And the, the economy is something that, that is often detached. Even when we talk about inflation in the housing market, we, we don't make that connection often. Because if you, if you have a 30% year-over-year increase in rents and, and, and mortgages, then obviously that's, that's highly inflationary. But here's what's so fundamental, uh, Tom, in terms of the economy, is that if, if we do not build for our workers in particular, they will not be able to stay here. They will not be able to get up each morning and, and get in their car, which costs as well, because gasoline isn't cheap either. They're not going to be able to, to go to those jobs. And, and it's probably one of the reasons why we're still not back to full employment in Miami-Dade County. We think people are leaving. They, they were leaving in, in substantial numbers back in 2004 and five, And when we're back there, but the prices now are much, much higher than they were then. So is it correct to say, Ned, that you think that housing affordability is affecting the labor market? In other words, the availability of people to work in South Florida? That's right. Because the other issue relative to housing affordability beyond the price, the price point, is accessibility. Where is that job relative to where you can live in South Florida? And if that's a 30-minute to to one-hour commute one way each day to get to your job and, 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 and the price of gas, the price of maintaining a car, all these things on top of the fact that you're still having to make that payment at the beginning of the month just to be able to, to survive in, in that unit, it, it, at some point it, it, it does um, become just too much for, for the average uh, working household. In December, you testified before a Florida Senate committee on housing affordability and the economic impact of the affordability challenges, particularly the South Florida is experiencing. And you said that the current housing market is unsustainable and negatively impacts economic competitiveness and quality of life. Share with us a little bit more about your feelings there, your belief there that the 
trajectory that housing is on is unsustainable. Well, there's an old axiom um, in, in my field of urban planning is that people follow jobs and they will follow those jobs wherever they may be created. And, and what we're seeing in Florida is that job creation has, has been far more robust than here in South Florida. And I'm talking in Florida, specifically the Tampa area, to Orlando, and then into Southwest Florida. And why is that happening? Well, the jobs are there. The Tampa, Pinellas County area, Southwest Florida, Lee County, they have economies that are competitive, they have wages that are competitive, and they have housing prices that are essentially 30% less than South Florida. So if we're looking uh, at South Florida in terms of our competitiveness against other regions in the state of Florida, then obviously we we, we have an issue there. The state of Florida needs to understand that that this is impacting the state economy and and certainly uh, regional economies like South Florida Uh, all the more. That's Ned Murray with FIU's Metropolitan Center. You're listening to the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Still to come on this program, hunting for a home with a long-time renter. After so many years now, we saved some money, my husband and I, and I was telling my friend how difficult it was to find a good house in a good neighborhood. I'm Tom Hudson. This is the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. Thanks for listening this week. 35% is an important threshold to keep in mind when talking about the affordability of a home. It's a rough guide. About one out of every $3 of income can go to pay for a mortgage or rent. No more, otherwise the cost of housing becomes more unaffordable. Well, one-third of all home and condominium owners in South Florida who have a mortgage are spending more than that guide, and over half of all renters are too. The gap between the median single-family home price and the median income can be substantial. Palm Beach County medium incomes are about $18,000 short of being able to afford the median-priced home in that area. That gap grows to seventy grand in the Keys. This calculation assumes a buyer has a 20% down payment, which is not the case for many first-time home buyers. Denora Mancito and her husband have a combined income that's about twice the median income. They rent a two-bedroom apartment in Miami Beach for $1,300 a month. She knows that is way below what others are paying. They've saved around $30,000 and have been looking for a single-family home for months. My name is Denora Mancito, and I live in Miami Beach. I'm from Cuba. I came in 1995, and I went to school, got the cosmetologist license. That's it. I'm a manicurist. Right now, between tips and what I make is around 52000 and my husband is around that, too. I'm trying to buy a house. <laughs> After so many years now, we saved some money, my husband and I, and I was telling my friend how difficult it was to find 
a good house in a good neighborhood, not in Bell Harbor, not in Miami Beach, not in Bay Harbor Islands, but at least 30 minutes away from the mall that I work, I need like uh, $1 million or $500,000 to buy a decent house. My budget is three. $350,000, that's what the, we ask the bank. If I found something that I like, it was falling apart. Then I stopped looking for houses and I asked my friend that he is a realtor, please help me. Then my friend started looking for houses, Hollywood, um, North Miami Beach, all around, even Fort Lauderdale, I thought, I don't care. I drive to Fort Lauderdale. But whatever he found, it wasn't me. It's what is in the market. I'm telling you what I'm looking in a house. I'm renting for all these years. I like to buy a house to have a dishwasher, to have a laundry, to have a little jar for my pets. I'm looking for two bedrooms. If I, my kids come and visit me, I can offer one bedroom for them to stay. My in-laws, they live in Argentina. And that's our culture. When the relatives come, we don't send them to hotels. We, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> we, we want them to feel love and at home and that's one of the reasons that I'm looking for a house with two bedrooms and laundry machine inside. Because in this apartment, Miami Beach, we don't have laundry machine. We have to share eight apartments, one laundry machine. That's one of my things, too. Um, feel at home. He be. That's what I'm looking for. And to avoid landlords raising the rent out of the saddle to people who works on the same job. I know that I have to grow myself and make more money, but I'm 60 years old and I'm working six days per week. What else am I going to do? <laughs> it's a nice apartment. I'm very, very, very lucky that I have two bedrooms. I pay low. I'm a miracle in Miami Beach. My landlord knows me for many years, and I pay $1,300 per month. But I'm afraid that he knows everybody pays like 2000 something, that he will raise the rent anytime. Then if I buy a house, I'm going to pay monthly the same amount. I'm not afraid that... Next month is going to be $5,000 because the way things are going, <laughs> that's, that's what is going to happen. This is what it is. We have to start looking for a better way of life because I'm not getting any younger. So <laughs> I'm trying to save more money to see if I can, <laughs> if I can find better house. You know, <laughs> I encourage myself. I'm from Cuba. And <laughs> and I always 
think I can make it better. I will do better and I want to better myself. And that's the way I think and the way I feel is very hard. Dinora Mancito has paused her hunt for a home for the time being. She and her husband are saving more money for a down payment. Umberto Gill says he's just window shopping to buy a home. He was one of the many people who were financially hurt when the housing bubble burst 15 years ago. He's been in his current apartment renting for five years in Western Dade County. My name is Umberto Gill. I am an adjunct professor, and uh, I'm originally from Venezuela, and I live in South Florida. I'm not only teach, I do Uber once in a while, you know, to complement. And I also uh, do other things. You know, I am in the credit repair business as well. And, uh, you know, you have to do a lot of things. I mean, I get up early, go to bed late, and um, have really four jobs besides being the head of the house. Well, uh, housing has been um, at times uh, difficult because um, I'm renting and it goes up quite uh, fast. Uh, as of late, it's been going really fast, really quickly. But I have been uh, lucky to have uh, my landlord keep, has kept the, the rent at the same pace. Uh, I guess maybe when comes the end of the, of the lease, uh, hopefully he won't decide to raise it as everybody is. He's a two-bedrooms, uh, two-bath apartment. Uh, it, it is comfortable. I mean, we're not big. We just, uh, my son and I, the, the rent, $1,425. One of the reasons I think uh, they haven't raised my rent is because I've been paying right on the dot, so that puts you on a good life with your with your landlord. I see, uh, for example, that the apartments uh, that are across from where I am used to be around the same amount that I'm paying right now, but they are right now $1,800. One bedroom apartment, they have increased the the rent substantially. It, it is it is scary because I know it's common. I mean, I have no doubt. Is everybody that I know, um, they've been complaining, and some of them have even lost their, their housing accommodations and having to go somewhere else. I'm a little nervous uh, looking around my, uh, my, where I live because the uh, circle is closing in, so I might have to just move even out of the city. It seems like... Um, we're being substituted uh, by the higher income people. They, they come over here, they, they commute, telecommute, do the job in the bigger cities like New York and higher income areas uh, of the country. And they live here in a city that is very expensive, but the salaries are depressed. They are pushing things up, but at the same time, the economical interests of the people who, who have used housing as a catapult to, you know, making riches. I mean, I, nothing against it, you know, it's just that uh, nobody is, uh, you know, thinking about the natives have been 
disseminated by the economical havoc that that does, you know? So there are no more Floridians here. I mean, these, all of these people are foreigners from other places. Uh, I mean, foreigners in, not from the country, but meaning from other areas. We have to have a balance. You know, at the end of the, of the day, this is not going to bode well for the economical system. You know, they don't they don't get it. You know, they think that as long as they can see the green, you know, everything is 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 fine. But I, I disagree. I disagree totally. That's adjunct professor and sometimes Uber driver Umberto Gill on renting his home in South Florida. Steve and Alexander Busa met in South Florida. He's from Nevada. She's from Illinois. They both attended optometry school at Nova Southeastern. They run three eye care centers in Broward and Palm Beach counties now and started their own eyeglass frame design company during the pandemic. They've been both sellers and buyers in this pandemic-shaped South Florida housing market. And while affordability has not necessarily been their challenge, finding a home where they want to live and send their two children to school has. We were remodeling our house. We were just kind of putting some work into it. This was in Pompano. It was technically a 4-3 on the water. We, we were, had 180 feet of water line in the back, had the boat parked out back. So it was like my my dream home. The only thing is it wasn't a great for school districts. So we did some of the private schools and stuff, but with two kids, we just didn't want to continue on that route. Um, a lot of our friends moved into the Coral Ridge area. So we kind of got hyper-focused on that area. Um, so the plan was to, you know, at some point move down there. I went to refinance the house and that's kind of what got us even into the market was we realized how much houses went up for. So that kind of got us thinking about, well, you know, if we're going to sell, this might be the time to, you know, capitalize on the market and and do that. And it sold extremely fast, which was great. Um, At the same time, when the market got so, so hot, inventory was just coming and going, coming and going. So in the transition from selling the house and moving out, we weren't able to find anything really in the area. Finding the right thing was tough. Um, we ended up selling and that closed, that deal closed through. So we had the capital, we had the cash to move on anything, but things just weren't really falling into place. So we ended up having to rent and realizing that the rent market went up. So it was just like this perfect storm that was good. And then it kind of became cha- challenging on at, at the other on the other end of the spectrum. So finding something was tough. There was something I heard was, uh, it was like buyer's fatigue. I was reading it somewhere and I was like, oh my God, that's what I have. Because we looked at so many houses and you know, some of these houses you'd go in and they're so overpriced or the work, you know, it was a flip and you could just tell it was a flip and you're looking for your, your dream home and in a market that's so quick and things are flipping so fast. And then, you know, you get beat, beat out by these cash offers and stuff sight unseen. It was just, it was a crazy, like everybody was saying the market was extremely, uh, crazy at that time. We're doing a little condo living right now, which is a little difficult with two little kids, but it's also fun. Um, at the same time, they, they call it the hotel house and uh, <laughs> they love it. Take the elevator every day, but we can't wait to get into our own home. We finally ended up finding the one home and it was perfect. Um, and it's a, it's an amazing size. Uh, once we redo it and get everything kind of done, it's a five, four, we're going to convert it into a four or five with like a really large master suite um, and just kind of redoing a lot of the kitchen and stuff, the outdoor area, and just make it make it absolutely amazing in the in the area that we need it. So it kind of all fell together that way. Timing was great for selling it, but then it was also bad because of the inventory 
um, because it was right when, you know, COVID, there there was a lot of different, there was a lot of different weird factors that that played into the the market at that time. I think it's one of the most volatile areas of, of real estate, you know, maybe since 2008. The one thing like with the buyer's fatigue, I got to the point where I just didn't want to look at any more houses because I was just kind of over it. We've made so many good friends in in that neighborhood. It is a gem of a neighborhood. So we're super happy. We were able to find, and it was literally like finding a diamond in the rough is was what it felt like. So um, now we're just like uh, refining that diamond and polishing the diamond. It'll be perfect. <laughs> Steve Busa hopes to move into his new home in Fort Lauderdale by this summer. You're listening to The Sunshine Economy on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Still to come, the outlook to address affordability and how long could home prices rise? There's so much more we can do. The knowledge is in place. We have to ask ourselves, can this get extended? Can we go into extra innings? And it's very possible. I'm Tom Hudson. We're back on the Sunshine Economy. Thanks for listening. Today, talking about the housing market, rising prices and rents, and the lack of supply. Today's affordability challenges are certainly not new for Florida. 30 years ago, state lawmakers created a dedicated source of money to be used for housing affordability. It was named after South Florida Representative Bill Sadowski, who went on to become the head of the Department of Community Affairs before dying in a plane crash. The idea is to use taxes on real estate transactions to help with affordable housing across the state. But for several years, Florida lawmakers have taken part or all of the money and swept it into the state's general budget. Governor Ron DeSantis' most recent spending plan fully funds the effort with $355 million. Lawmakers still have to okay the budget. Housing market expert Ned Murray at FIU's Metropolitan Center would like to see a comprehensive, not piecemeal, strategy. We can't continue to to bemoan the fact that there just isn't enough money or or there's just too much regulation. We have yet as a society and certainly at, at any level of government and most importantly, local government, used our knowledge and innovation. There's so much more we can do. The knowledge is in place. So is it a reluctance to act? I I think a lot of it, Tom, is I don't think we've given the attention to it that we need to because we've talked about it in in pieces. We've talked about the land or the lack of land, uh, the cost of land. We've talked about it in terms of regulations. Uh, We talk about it in terms of the, the state legislature pilfering the Sadowski fund. We talk about it on a lot of different levels but we have not yet sat down and figured out as we were doing something that was more high tech. If we can do those types of things, we can apply the, apply the knowledge and innovative thought that's out there to begin to think in ways of how we better plan the physical development of our cities. Meantime, real estate economist Ken Johnson at Florida Atlantic University remains worried about the South Florida housing market overheating. I am trying to be very much like an umpire in a baseball game and call balls and strikes and then let let this economic game play out. Uh, with that baseball metaphor, then I'll ask you the question this way. In what inning is the game, the game being the housing market? Well, if the end of the game is the downturn, meaning the peak of the housing cycle, 
Uh, maybe it's not a downturn, but just a slowdown. It's soon. It's very soon. We're in the ninth inning, late. Late in the ninth inning. Yes. But we have to ask ourselves, can this get extended? Can we go into extra innings? And it's very possible for not only South Florida, but the entirety of the U.S. We can see the housing cycle extended if, for example, we were to see uh, another massive federal stimulus that would be directed at driving down the rate. So then we would have this extraordinarily low long-term mortgage rates that are available again back in the high twos. This would extend our current situation, but it, in my opinion, would not be good for the housing market because it would only re-accelerate the current cycle and our prices would rise further and further above where they should be. And I would begin to get a lot more worried. But far from cheaper borrowing rates, the average traditional home mortgage interest rate has jumped almost a half percent already this year. Joe Johnson is our technical director. Polly Landis is our booking producer. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks for listening. WLRN Public Media.